Ready to start your ESG journey? Get going today with Social Suite, and you could start reporting publicly in 30 days. With investor pressure mounting and regulations just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start your ESG reporting. Social Suite takes the complexity out of environmental, social, and governance reporting. Social Suite helps organizations to measure, monitor, and report on their progress with fast, simple, and affordable software. Create value through ESG in order to raise capital, improve brand and reputation, as well as mitigate risk. Social Suite has helped almost 100 micro to small cap companies report on ESG, with some starting their baseline report in under 60 minutes and reporting publicly within 30 days. ESG is a lot easier than you think, and you're probably already doing it. So take your sustainability reporting to the next level with measurable progress. Start your ESG journey today with Social Suite, an ESG software company for micro to small caps. Visit socialsuitehq.com. That's social, S-U-I-T-E-H-Q.com to learn more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Dr. Raj Dasgupta, CEO of Electrovia Inc. It's a publicly traded company. I got two symbols for you, EFL on the TSX and EFLVF on the OTCQB. Electrovia is a technology-focused company with extensive IP designs, develops, and manufactures proprietary lithium-ion batteries, battery systems, and battery-related products for energy storage, clean electric transportation, and other specialized applications. The company has acquired a 52-acre site with a 135,000-square-foot manufacturing building in New York State for its planned Gigafactory, in addition to its two operating locations in Canada. Electrovia has been in the battery space for over two decades and has had uh, many lives, as Raj explains. In 2009, when Raj joined the company, it was in the automotive space, and that was their main focus as a battery supplier. What's fascinating about Electrovia's story to me is how they had to make the difficult choice to pivot their business strategy, which we discuss at length, as well as why the company pivoted away from delivering batteries for the automotive industry to focusing specifically on the material handling vehicles space, how Electrovia has performed since the 2018 pivot, and where Raj would like to see the company in three to five years. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, CEO of Electrovia Inc. Raj, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, Bobby. It's a pleasure to be here with you on, on a nice Friday afternoon. Absolutely. Yes, we are recording this on Friday afternoon, May 12th, 2023. And uh Let's get after it because you know, look, I, I've I've casually followed Electrovio over the years. You know, I know of the name, but we've never really done a big deep dive. So uh, I know the company just put out uh, your quarterlies last last week. So you know, let's get into it. Uh, my my first question that I have for you that I ask everybody on here is: Can you give us that one line that best describes Electrovio? 
So Electrobi is a lithium-ion battery technology and manufacturing company. So we both develop cutting-edge battery technologies and commercialize them. At the same time, we're making physical battery systems and shipping them to real-world customers. And that's uh, both sides are, are incredibly exciting and uh, happy to delve into more during our conversation. Oh, we most definitely will. Um, so, you know, let, let's take take a look back at Electrovice history. You know, when was the company originally founded and what was the original thesis for its founding? So Electrovice has actually been in the, is one of the pioneers of the lithium ion battery sector. I, I, you know, that's a bold statement, but I would say that we have made many firsts over our over two decades of existence. So Electrovia has been in the battery space for over two decades. And during that time, there have been various, almost lives of the company, right? So at its founding, uh, when it went public early 2000, you know, in, in 2000, uh, that was the dot-com bubble. The company's initial focus was on uh, aerospace applications and specialty applications as well as dabbled with consumer electronics. Uh, we, we supplied NASA with batteries back, I think it was 03, well before my time here. Uh, but then when I joined Electrovia in 09, that's when the company was really uh, very focused on the automotive uh, space, which of course is super high profile and we all see what's going on down the street. But um, back then it was it was nascent. We were part, partnered initially with Chrysler, you know, things didn't go into production, but we, we developed packs. We, we uh, shipped, uh, I think, over 200 vehicles uh, with, with Chrysler. Uh, we moved on. We, uh, we supplied Daimler with batteries as well for their smart car. If you've ever seen those tiny little electric smart cars. Uh, and that was around, we started that around four, 2014, 2015. Uh, but what we found was most of these car companies at the time, other than Tesla, who we know what's happened there, weren't that serious about EVs. I mean, they, they weren't really pushing it until Tesla uh, made it a success. And uh, we were also in a situation where there was significant uh, pressure from Asian uh, battery companies on price. Electrify was losing money all throughout that time. And when we got to 2018, we said, okay, we, we need to do something else. Otherwise, we're going to cease to exist. And we were very close to ceasing to exist at that time. So uh, fortunate for us, we had uh, this new separator technology. And I'll go into it a bit more deep depth later if you want. Uh, but this was a ceramic separator membrane uh, that we had acquired the IP for. And we combined that with some other uh, technologies which we developed in-house and the ultimate result was not just a safer battery coming from the ceramic separator but a significantly longer cycling battery so this is the number of charge discharges you can do on that on that battery before it reaches end of life and uh, we said hey let's find a market that's not cars for that someone who's going to pay more money for that type of technology and we said we had to pick one thing and one thing only, and it really had to be a home run. Otherwise, we were already two strikes in. So, um, and we said material handling, that's the heaviest us usage application for, for an electric vehicle. Material handling vehicles, if you go to your Amazon or Walmart warehouse, those vehicles are operating 24 hours a day. They're never not running. 
you know, if they're not running, there's some inefficiency and those types of companies are very efficient. So uh, they need batteries that can keep up with those types of operations. And we said, hey, this is a good fit. We and we've been successful there. We, we first uh, one of our early customers was Walmart. Uh, then we roped in uh, the largest OEM in the sector, which is the Toyota Group, but specifically Raymond Corporation who makes all electric vehicles. And it's uh, really been rocketing on since then. So we, we have 10% of the Fortune 100 list of companies using our batteries. That's a, if you think about how many of those companies actually have warehouses, it's a pretty slim number. So um, it's, uh, it's it, the business is doing well in that sector. We just made our first quarterly profit last quarter with uh, 10.5 million in revenue on track to meet our guidance of over 40 million. U.S. this this year, absolutely. So take take me back to that 2018 time in the in the boardroom. You know when you're saying, "All right, we got to pivot. Let's do this." You know what was it about the you know because it's it was it's very easy right to caught up in the continue to get caught up in the automobile craze. Like, all right, the change is going to keep happening. Change is going to keep happening. Oh, here's Tesla. They're killing it. Blah blah blah. Or you know, to you know, depends on who you ask if they're killing it. But you know what I mean. You know, and so you know what what made you decide like, all right, we want to go after this segment at this time, and this is compelling enough to take us away from wanting to look at you know auto EVs and and going that route. Yeah, good. You know, it's scary, scary times in 2017, 2018. You know, when you're in a company, it's it's hemorrhaging cash, and you're uh, wondering what's going to happen next. And we we were really under pressure. What saved us was that pivot. We 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 sh- we worked over 200 people, most most of them in Germany. We went down to about 25. You know, 90 percent down, right? And people, uh, we. We really skinnied up. We sold our our building, leased it back. We did all sorts of uh, maneuvers, which uh, which helped help the financial side. But then on on a strategic tactical side, focusing on that market was was what we had to do. I mean, uh, essentially, we were we were dead. So uh, that pivot happened at the right exactly the right moment. Absolutely. It's it's interesting how that market kind of opened up because you think about an Amazon and like they have all their own infrastructure and everything like that. So how did how did you know, like, OK, there's clearly a market need here, you know, with the Walmarts of the world, with the you know, that they don't have this kind of infrastructure in order to support their vehicles that are doing all these activities that have to be running 24 seven. Well, it was actually it was Walmart who who was somewhat responsible for um giving us the problem that they were oh, interesting okay we at the time and i'm trying to remember exactly but we were supplying walmart canada with some very small battery backup systems for some computers and uh, the guys were like yeah yeah this is nice but uh let me show you our real problem and they showed us their forklifts and they would have in the in this warehouse maybe 150 to two i can't remember exactly but let's say 150 forklifts Every forklift in that building, A, they're large, but they each had three lead-acid batteries, right? So you picture a building of hundreds of lead-acid batteries, and every shift, they're swapping out the, that lead-acid battery with a with another one. So they, they typically would have one in powering the vehicle, one ready to go, and one on a charger, right? And uh, it was... Uh, it, 
as an operation, it, it, it was very complex. They'd have big machines to swap the batteries. And it, for them, it was an operational cost, which is what they wanted to get out of. Uh, so we said, hey, we can put a, one of our super long cycle life batteries, plop it in your forklift, and you can charge it rapidly. And uh, you won't need these other lead acid batteries. And the cherry on top is it should last 10 years, right? So they heard that pitch. They liked what they heard, but they tested it. And they tested it at four warehouses. They you know, looked at our balance sheet, which was a little scary, but they, they, regardless, they gave us a contract for one distribution center and, and the rest is history. Uh, but fundamentally, these batteries fit that type of operation very well. We, we, we can rapidly charge, we can, uh, and the batteries don't degrade. They're very reliable. It gives, it gives companies like this who are focused on operational efficiency and oper not so much the sticker price, right? Sticker price, they, they care a little bit, but the, the real name of the game is, can I move the goods more efficiently? Can I make that warehouse work better? And that's where our technology comes in. Absolutely. So then tell us a little bit about the business model then, you know, is it, are they buying the batteries? Is there some kind of recurring aspect to that? You know, you know, every investor's probably asking you that a thousand times. So love, love to hear more there. Oh, not enough of them. Not enough. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, you know, initially our focus being, being new uh, was just to sell batteries, make them sell them, get a decent gross margin. And that's still the primary strategy. Now, but now things are getting uh, are growing, getting more stable. We're we're looking at additional revenue streams. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, first of all, we have data analytics. So these are smart batteries. We're starting to sell that data analytics to some customers, and and that's a little bit of revenue. Uh, more interesting is uh, the batteries. They aren't. They don't degrade, right? So a typical, when you typically buy a lead acid battery or even a lithium ion battery, it's a, it's a um, depreciating asset. It's got a, it's got a limited life and, and everyone understands the curves and that's how it goes. With our technology, it's a totally different game, right? The, the battery day one is going to be the same as day 365 or, or five years down the road. In fact, we've looked at the battery systems at, at, uh, Walmart in particular, after four years and five years, essentially negligible capacity loss on those batteries. They're essentially new, other than being dinged up. They, their inside is new. So really what we need to do is look at leveraging that, that uh, performance further. So there's several ways that we're looking at that. One is selling extended warranties. That's simple. More interesting is uh, looking at leasing these these batteries and we're looking at that with our oem partner currently we're already starting programs with leasing and as that residual value as these conservative leasing companies like uh, raymond increase the resi residual value suddenly the uh, operating cost of this technology becomes on par with cheap batteries cheap lead acid batteries that's where you get go from just big big rich companies buying the product to everybody. That's how that can turn. Uh, but, and how we can uh, monetize that is uh, getting cuts of uh, residual values on, on the batteries. 
Uh, and then the final most interesting uh, experiment that we're currently doing is our biggest two users of, uh, of our batteries are the two large, I won't name them, the two largest retailers. And they have peak periods uh, for, for the fourth quarter of the calendar year for Christmas and then restocking afterwards. So they typically like to rent some batteries and we're currently renting batteries. We rented to both customers and we're still renting to one of them. And uh, it's not something that we, we wanted to do initially. Our banking partner was like, oh no, this is off your balance sheet, you don't wanna do it. But hey, there are two largest end users, so we'll, we'll do what they want us to do. So they, we rented them a small number of batteries, very good, uh, very, good rates, right? We essentially recover the cost of the unit after 12 months. Now you have an unknown rental period, but yeah, they're going to rent again. What we're looking at is let's say we can rent it to these guys during their peak periods. And then in the off peak periods, we're going to utilize that battery as an energy storage device. Use it for peak period and peak energy storage pricing. So we've partnered with, uh, and this is public, we, we announced uh, this, this uh, feasibility study we're doing with Jupiter Power um, a couple of weeks ago, the New York Clean Fight. And that's to le leverage the batteries uh, as energy storage uh, in when they're not being rented. So that would be, you know, in terms of margins, that's hard to say how high it is, but it's, it's a, a very profitable endeavor if it goes right. Very good. So I'm sure here's another question that I'm sure you get all the time, and that's sourcing the material for your your uh, lithium ion batteries. Can you tell us a little bit about that process, where you source material from? And just here, let's start there. And then I'm sure there will be a follow up question. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a great question. So Electrovia, uh, prior to 2018, when we had all our vertical integration and we were losing lots of money, we made everything in house, right? We, we made the, the separators, we need the electrodes, all the parts of the lithium-ion battery, and we were sourcing to all the chemical companies, yada, yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> then in 2018, we pivoted, right? So we, we also moved our uh, IP-sensitive manufacturing from Germany to Japan, to a contract manufacturer in Japan. And then we moved the IP-less-sensitive manufacturing, which is the cell assembly, uh, to China. And uh, that's what's in place right now. It's worked out well. It's enabled us to grow. Uh, but we are looking at uh, going forward. And we're looking to reshore now that assembly that's in, in China back into the U.S. So we're currently building a, a, a large plant in uh, western New York. And uh, we're, that's, that's our most exciting endeavor at present. So in terms of sourcing the materials, it's going, we'll go back to what we were, I mean, we already have contacts with the material suppliers right now. So even though we're using contract assemblers uh, overseas, we're working, we're, we're essentially telling them what to do and procuring from supplier A, supplier B, supplier C. Now we don't get into the weeds of, of uh, sourcing the actual elements. Uh, leave that to the to the chemical companies who supply us. Very good. All right. And and then, you know, so on the, the construction of the, the plant in Western Europe, from what you can tell us, I'm sure that's, you know, somewhat sensitive and, you know, and target dates and when it's going to be done. Do you have any sense of when that 
is going to be roughly done or moving everything over there from what you can tell us you, you don't have to get into it yeah yeah uh you know i, I mentioned some of this in our quarterly call so it's all, it's all hunky dory uh but uh we we've already purchased the building uh it's uh and it's a 52 acre site it's got an existing uh manufacturing site on it as well which was previously used for electronics manufacturing so well suited towards lithium ion battery production and we are in we've we have a term sheet with the um with an institution to a u.s government backed institution well, it could be state it could be federal we're not saying at this point but uh to to finance uh the majority of that outfit so we're close to it one way or another we will start uh operations towards the end of this year uh those operations initially will mirror what we do here in canada which is battery pack assembly but then we'll uh go into the full full um part stream so includes battery modules we'll start production in 2024 that's the target and uh sells in early 2025. Absolutely. All right. So I want to shift gears now to talking about the company's, you know, the value proposition as well as the the company's moat, because, you know, look, we were talking offline. I've been doing this 10 plus years, you know, I've talked to a few companies, you know, lithium battery or lithium ion battery space, you know, making batteries, all that stuff. And so, you know, for folks that are still, you know, noobs like me, when it comes to lithium ion batteries and being able to really differentiate between, you know, an Electrovia and maybe one of your competitors, what would you say is that key differentiating factor between some of your competition out there? Well, that, that key differ- differentiator is the cell performance, right? So uh, with regards to safety, I'll start there. So safety-wise, you hear, you, you can Google this, but you hear uh, in the news, battery fire here, battery fire there. And, and it's not really detracting people from adopting lithium-ion battery technologies, but it is a worry. And on that side, we have a key differentiator, which is the ceramic separator. So uh, I'll just briefly tell you what a separator is. A separator is what goes inside a battery, uh, and it uh, goes in between your plus and your minus electrodes, your cathode and your anode electrodes. And that's what's responsible for, A, allowing the ions to go through it, but B, its, uh, it's core responsibility is making sure that that plus and minus do not touch one another. And if they do, you get a short circuit and in a lithium ion battery that inevitably will be a nice little fire. In in a typical lithium ion battery, that that separator membrane is made of a polymer material, similar to, it's a polypropylene, polyethylene combination usually. And they work fine, except if they get too hot. Now, if they get too hot, they shrink. And uh, obviously, if it shrinks, your plus and your minus are touching one another. So it, it doesn't happen. It's, it's a rare occurrence, thankfully. But there could be hot spots in the cell for various reasons. It could, you know, it could, have, a, could have an impurity, could have like a micro short. Something could happen. Hot spot occurs. But if you have, a, if that, if, if you have that type of separator, it'll shrink. And that's what leads to a thermal runaway event. So something starting out as a small problem leads just cascades and goes from one cell to the next. And 
And uh, that's that's what happens in the majority of lithium-ion battery fires. In our case, Electrovia has a cer full ceramic separator membrane, which of course is more expensive to produce, but it uh, is stable at high temperatures. So it makes the cell much safer. Not necessarily immune to sa any safety incidents. You're still storing a lot of energy, but uh, it's stable at high temperature. You won't have a shrinking separator leading to thermal runaway. And uh, if you look at the results of our systems, any battery system that we've produced, whether that's 20,000 uh, electric vehicles uh, that this technology was used in, or 6,000 plus material handling vehicles, not one of them has had a battery safety incident. Uh, so that's the key, that's the just the safety side. Cycle life I, is the other one. And uh, we had some third party data out there uh, recently concurring with what we've been saying all along is, uh, and that third party data showed that we were on track to get 14,000 cycles on a battery, which is uh, putting in perspective, your, you know your cell phone, uh, everyone's familiar with that, that will do about two years worth of usage before it reaches end of life. So we'll be kind and say a thousand cycles, uh, you know, we're, we're significantly better than that and significantly better than anything that's going in, in the automotive industry. So those are the two key differentiators. Got it. So, I mean, looking at the competitive landscape and, you know, within the segment that you're going after here right now, who are your competitors? Like, who are you going up against for for some of these contracts? If you don't mind me, if you don't mind, yeah, it, you know, it's a it's a good question. Comes up often, and it's a difficult one to answer because, in terms of performance, we're essentially in a league of our own. There's not a you can you can buy a lithium ion battery for a forklift from another supplier, but it's not going to have anywhere close to the cycle life or those types of performance metrics. And 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 that doesn't mean there aren't applications for those. Uh, but that said, if I was to pick a, a group who who fits uh, as a good comparable in, in terms of market cap, they're much higher than us. But Plug Power uh, is in the material handling space. That's uh, their main uh, application to date still, I think. And um, our customer list and their customer list have a lot of overlap. There are cases our customers want fuel cells and their cases... Uh, they want to go with batteries. But in terms of uh, customers and, and application, it's very similar. Uh, so I, I would use them. Cool. All right. And I mean, it, it, right now, like if you had to kind of take a, um, I guess, a stab at what that total addressable market really looks like for the company, now that you kind of established, all right, this is our product, this is who we're going after, you know, what what does that total addressable market look like? So the addressable market's huge. Uh, and, you know, we're forklifts and material handling, which covers robots and other things, is definitely not our only target. Uh, it was our first, save the company, and you had to have a level of focus in order to succeed. Uh, and that business is growing. It's going to continue to grow. Um, but and on its own, that's a multi-billion dollar industry just for the batteries. So that said, we're, we're looking at some additional markets now, uh, one being electric buses, has some similarities to material handling in the sense that the vehicles are operating every day, they're doing at least one cycle on the battery a day, 
and they're looking for 12 plus year life um, on the vehicle. So they need a battery to keep up with that. It's a good fit. Safety is also important on buses. It's one thing having a four-door car with a couple passengers have a have a problem. They can get out of the car. Another thing with with a bus with a bunch of seniors on it. So um, <clears throat> buses is, is another application we're, we're targeting. We've developed a system for it. Um, and we've developed a, a production line uh, for, for the modules. So that, that'll be something that you'll see us be, you know, it won't be 2023, it's really 2024, 2025. But another key market, similar would be delivery trucks. Again, follows the same pattern as buses. And then finally, energy storage. Uh, the market we had, for the most part, been staying away from because it was very CapEx focused. A lot of these installations ha are having to upgrade the batteries that they have in place early because they degraded, right? So um, it's a good fit for a long cycle life application. Very good. All right. So, you know, like you said, the company's been around, you know, it's been public since 2000. You know, you've been in it since 2009. You know, the pivot since 2018. You know, so you've kind of done, done the dog and pony show, you know, talk to, you know, you know, folks like me and, and gone to conferences, the whole bit, but even after folk, you know, and I asked this to everybody on here. So even after they had a chance to kind of go through the deck, maybe speak with you, you know, what would you say investors maybe still get confused about when thinking about Electrovia? Maybe, maybe we can answer some of those frequently asked questions here. Well, I think this, you know, being, being a company that's been around for a while, it's sometimes a little difficult to say something's new, right? Uh, I would say that was probably more of a disadvantage 2021. Now it's not. I mean, people want stable companies that have had a track record, and uh, we're we're in that second second tier now. Um, the other question that comes up, of course, is a lot of com a lot of people like the story. They want to invest, but then they see that it's on the TSX or OTCQB, and uh, a lot of investors would prefer to invest on a major U.S. exchange. Uh, so we are we are in the midst of an app application for NASDAQ, uh, and we're targeting a listing uh, this quarter if things go well. So I think that's also going to help uh, broaden the potential investors uh, and just give us a better uh, visibility to to the community. Very good. So I got two more, you know, kind of devil's advocate type questions for you here. You know, so. This question, I've just started asking a bit more on the pod, and I, I I really enjoy everyone's answers to it. You know, so, you know, Raj, it, like like we said, you've been in the company since 2009, you know, you obviously were there with the pivot in 2018. You know, what would you say was a mistake that maybe you made while, you know, running the ship? And how did you overcome that 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 mistake? Uh, one mistake, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't at the helm at the time. I've, I've been at the helm for just over a year, right? So not too many mistakes yet, <laughs> but, uh, and mistakes, you know, you can't, you can never plan things perfectly. We, we really should have made that pivot earlier than 2018. That was one mistake. If we had made it in 2016, 2017, uh, we would have, we would have saved some, some, uh, heartache. So that was one thing we, uh, the other was, um, I would say that was a key one. Can't think of any other ones that uh, are, are very obvious. Yeah. Now that's a, that's a 
that that's a pretty good one right there. Um, so, and then another question that I'd like to ask you, you know, from in your opinion, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks uh, that maybe you've thought about or folks should be aware of? Well, there's always risks, right? So, uh, you know, for instance, a key one is uh, the financing for for uh, our Giga plant in in New York. We're we're expecting to get it. May not happen. Uh, the the market we're going into a recession potentially, or maybe we're already in a recession. Some some uh, that may affect orders or deliveries. For the most part, it hasn't. In fact, we had last quarter we we had uh, delivered ten and a half million dollars worth of batteries, but we received over twenty million dollars worth of orders. So uh, our backlog is very strong. Um, but there, are, you know, there's there's always risks with that. And then the geopolitical situation. You know, we we like many companies have uh, have some supply chains in China, and uh, we of course don't want to see anything. You know, the, the geopolitical situation has been a little tense lately. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure you get asked about that all the time because it, it's, on one hand, it's like, okay, the chemical suppliers are the ones that are kind of dealing with like the actual, the material material, but downstream, then that, that ends up having an effect on you guys. So I'm, I'm sure you're, you're getting that quite often. Of course. Yep. So then, you know, on the, on the other side of the coin then here too, I, I asked this to everybody as well, you know, in, in your opinion, then where do you want to see the company in three to five years? And what would you say are the inflection points that'll get you there? So three to five years, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, we've been growing rapidly over the last three years. So 2021, we did about 11 million in revenue. That went to about 20 million last year. And this year, we're our guidance is over 40, right? So it's doubling every year. I I really want to see us continue with that kind of level of, uh, that level of growth whilst being profitable, right? So we can cross that into the, into the black. We want to stay there. Um, we want to we want to be the dominant battery player for heavy duty vehicles. We don't we, we're not uh, with this technology. Yeah, we're it's a it can be used in a passenger EV, but it's going to be more expensive. So, uh, but for for these heavy duty vehicles, buses, uh, material handling trucks, uh, we're we're a great fit, and uh, we really want to become a key player in this. It's a nascent market. But we want to become one of the um, top players in that market. So, Raj, you know, you answered all my questions, man. I really appreciate it. I, I got one more question here, you know, to close this out. You know, you've been at the helm now for about a year as CEO. Tell us a little about your experience so far and, you know, some of the ways in which you hope to achieve some of the goals that you've set out for the company. Well, it all it all comes down to people. So we have a terrific team here at Electrovia and, uh, Brought in a new CFO soon after I became CEO, uh, and he's he's terrific to work with. Uh, we're we have we have so many balls in the air right now. It's it's uh, it's you can't do it without a good team. So, and then uh, other folks have been with the company a long time. A lot of them are are younger too, and uh, we're really driving driving the ship in a nice uh, nice direction. So it's uh, it's a pleasure working with these people when you're with them all the time. We're working very hard. Um, it, it, it makes life much easier. So uh, I'd say teamwork has been terrific. And uh, we're also adding more and more talent. So in terms of headcount, we've grown by, we've at least doubled our headcount in the last 18 months. So Nice. 
So Raj, we're, we're there, man. Thank you so much for, for joining me here. You know, where can our audience go and find more information on Electrify? So our, our website, uh, electrify.com, that's probably the best place. Very cool. Thanks again for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next update. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.